From pop culture to politics, this is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Not such a great day for a woman in Texas named Abigail Jo Shrine who has just been arrested uh, because she was threatening to kill the D.C. Trump judge, uh, Tanya Chutkin. And uh, unfortunately for her, her phone threat uh, was recorded. And uh, this apparently follows four other arrests for making threatening phone calls for somebody who is determined to kill anyone who stands in the way of the presidency for Donald J. Trump. Uh, question about Abigail Joe Shry. What happened to freedom of speech? Okay, <laughs> just get this straight, everybody. Everybody out there. There is no freedom of speech when it comes to threatening other people. Y you can't do it. It's not uh, kosher. It is not protected by the First Amendment. I'm going to kill you. Uh, and uh, what uh, Abigail Joe Shry said was considerably worse than that. We will get to this issue. And why is it that when there are people, for instance, the uh, crazy person who uh, hammer attacked Paul Pelosi at their homes, why is it that there seem to be far more people who are identified with our side of things, with the conservative side of things, with certainly the pro-Trump side of things, uh, far more people who are obsessed with uh, potential violence, talking about civil war. Why should that side, our side of the spectrum, be more represented among uh, crazies who are looking at violence as part of our national division? Uh, we'll be talking about that. We're going to also be speaking uh, to Dan McLaughlin, a leading conservative thinker, about what makes an effective candidate. And can you be an effective candidate if you are an indicted felon? Which is really the question regarding the runaway front runner for the Republican nomination, uh, Donald J. Trump. The latest GOP 24 Fox News poll. Uh, among Republican voters, 53% for Trump, 16% for DeSantis, 11% now for Ramaswamy, who is about to pass DeSantis, who's been doing very well with his communication. There's also all kinds of talk about a uh, rising tide for Tim Scott. Tim Scott's about to invest $8 million, which is a lot of money, in uh, media in Iowa. Iowa's a small state with small media markets. I mean, principally, it's Des Moines, and uh, that $8 million could make a difference. We'll also be talking about what is going on in the United States with the rise in suicide. There's a new piece that's a little bit reassuring. There's an overall rise in suicide, which has given us the highest suicide rate ever measured in this country. But uh, prior... prior uh, analysis had shown that that was really across the board in terms of ages. Apparently, the previously reported increase in young people committing suicide, not so bad, not so bad as widely expected. Uh, we are going to be talking about that and uh, a new study 
about uh, the more extensive marijuana use and its impact on the United States of America and the impact on Target, uh, a major, major company in this country, obviously, uh, the impact on Target of attempting to exploit special appeals to the LGBTQ community. Did that work out in the same way as a Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch? Uh, we will get to that on the Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776 is uh, our phone number. Okay. First of all, this disturbing story, as it's uh, described in the Daily Beast, and the story is everywhere, but a Texas woman is facing federal charges after allegedly threatening to kill the judge overseeing Donald Trump's criminal case in Washington, D.C., in which he's accused of conspiring to reverse his defeat in the 2020 presidential election. A criminal complaint filed uh, Friday outlines how Abigail Joe Shry, who is listed as 48, there are other descriptions that claim her to be only 43. Okay, let's just say she's in her 40s. That she called U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin uh, and called her chambers on August 5th, leaving a threatening voicemail message. How threatening? The caller began, Hey, you stupid slave! N-word? According to the complaint, yes, Judge Chutkin is African-American. Hey, you stupid slave, N-word. Uh, they uh, then went on to threaten the lives of anyone who, quote, went after former President Trump, name-dropping uh, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, another uh, black Democrat. All Democrats in Washington, D.C., and all people in the LGBTQ community, we're going to go after all of them. To Chutkin, the caller continued, and this caller has been identified as this uh, Abigail Joe Schrei. Schrei, by the way, in German or in Yiddish, uh, means uh, scream. And a schreier, which is a, is a screamer. And that's apparently what we've got here. To Chutkin, the judge, the caller continued, you are in our sights, we want to kill you. And if Trump doesn't get elected in 2024, we are coming to kill you, so tread lightly. And then it uses the B word. Uh, the uh, caller then threatened to target her personally, publicly, your family, all of it. Investigators quickly traced the cell phone used to shry when Department of Homeland Security agents knocked on her door in Alvin, Texas, three days later, Shry admitted she'd made the call to Chutkin. She told the agents that she had no plans to go to D.C. or to carry out her threat, but she added ominously, Sheila Jackson Lee comes back to Alvin, Texas, then we need to worry. Okay, she must have been drunk. How do you, how do you say that? if you're sane and you're not dangerous, to uh, DHS, Department of Homeland Security, agents. Shry is charged with transmitting a communication containing a threat to injure the person of another, a felony with a maximum pr prison term of up to five years. And apparently this is her fifth arrest on this kind of charge. Uh, Chutkin 
the judge she threatened to kill, has a history as a tough jurist in cases involving January 6th defendants, sentencing all 31 who have come before her to prison terms. In November 2021, she also ruled against Trump in his bid to block congressional investigations from accessing records uh, related to the attacks. Uh, three days after the indictment was handed down, Trump had posted a threat to his own, of his own, to Truth Social, blaring all in caps, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. Uh, prosecutors alerted Chutkin to the post, asking her to issue a protective order. And uh, Judge Chutkin said to the lawyers representing Trump, this is at this uh, trial in Washington, D.C., not the trial that is going forward in Atlanta. Uh, I caution you and your client to take special care in your public statements in this case, she told Trump's attorneys. I will take whatever message, messages are necessary to protect the integrity of these proceedings. In another post days later, Trump uh, criticized Chutkin as highly partisan and very biased and unfair. So why is it that this kind of excitement, threats, uh, talk of violence in the pursuit of politics seems to be more common on the far right than even the far left. Why would that be? Some thoughts coming up on the Medved Show. You know, Michael, I have stayed away from talk radio for months, but you know, today... You And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, asking a question, why would there be people out there uh, who would be, even at this early stage in the process, uh, ready to threaten death for uh, President uh, Trump's judge in the Washington, D.C. Uh, uh, voter overthrowing the results of voters case, I, uh, de de describing a case uh, that was put by the prosecutor Jack Smith. There's also news uh, that uh, the names of the people on the grand jury, which are supposed to be secret, confidential, uh, the grand jury, this one in Fulton County in Georgia, uh, those names have been made public. Not by anyone official, but somebody got hold of the names and put names, addresses, phone numbers on some uh, very extreme right uh, websites that are associated with violent rhetoric. Why is this going on from a, a side of the country that is generally supposed to be uh, associated with law and order? I think it's one of the prides of the Republican Party that it's the law and order party. Now, one of the things you could say is that people are deeply, deeply committed to President Trump. The people who want to see President Trump return to the White House believe in the man, are willing to contribute to him, to work for him, to come out to rallies. There is not that kind of enthusiasm for Joe Biden. And that's why you haven't heard any stories about people going after David Weiss, who's the special prosecutor supposedly looking at Hunter Biden or going after the whistleblowers who implicated the president himself or going after the president's other critics. It's partially because that the kind of loyalty 
that President Trump inspires impassioned loyalty, the kind of loyalty that would allow people to actually do things that, uh, in some cases, the people who came on January 6th because it was going to be wild, they were going to have a great time, they were going to overturn the results of a stolen election. Uh, there are hundreds of those people now who are spending time in prison. And that's a, a, a difficulty. So one of the things, one of the differences here is the idea that uh, that Joe Biden simply does not inspire the same kind of loyalty that Donald Trump has. There's also the idea that, at, at least so far, uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats have not gone along with this idea of we've been gypped as the, uh, the, the slogan for the election or for appealing and building a coalition. Now, of course, it's difficult when you're the incumbent president. Uh, how is the we've been gypped? We need retribution. We need to get back at this failing, awful government. It doesn't work when you're an incumbent president. And you're running from reelection. And it's one of the problems that Biden has in this election. But it's that uh, point of view precisely that uh, that leads to exactly the kind of extreme and disturbing reaction uh, that we're talking about. Is it common? I don't think it's incredibly common, but uh, is it a problem, a real problem? And you talk about the divisions in the country. Sure it is. Sure it is. And again, uh, with President Trump uh, leading the way and attacking Judge Chutkin, which is not a good idea, the, um, uh, the, the voice message that Shri sent to uh, Chutkin and her chambers, she said, you are in our sights, we want to kill you. If Trump doesn't get elected in 2024, we are coming to kill you, so tread lightly, B-word. You will be targeted personally, publicly, your family, all of it. And uh, earlier this month, uh, Trump wrote uh, concerning Judge Chutkin, the same judge who was targeted here. Trump wrote all in capitals, no way I could get a fair trial with a judge assigned, and he was assigned in quotes, to the ridiculous case. A week later, he wrote, she obviously wants me behind bars, very biased and unfair. That's not going to help him, especially when the judge has um, warned him and warned his representatives against abusing free speech to try to influence potential jurors or, uh, or the court in, in any way. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you remember yesterday we talked a good deal about the big, big press conference that President Trump was uh, announcing for Bedminster, New Jersey, where he was going to refute all the allegations and the indictment handed up by the Fulton County District Attorney's Office and basically prove that the election was stolen. Uh, they are reporting in ABC News, uh, former President Donald Trump's promised press conference to refute the allegations in the indictment handed up by the Fulton County District Attorney's Office is now very much in doubt. Uh, multiple sources familiar with the matter tell ABC News 
Uh, sources say that Trump's legal advisors have told him that holding such a press conference with dubious claims of voter fraud will only complicate his legal problems, and some of his attorneys have advised him to cancel it. Uh, meanwhile, there are lots of press conferences with uh, Tim Scott. There's a, a huge piece, and I can't believe what a positive piece it is about Tim Scott, who is a very conservative U.S. senator from uh, South Carolina, of course. The uh, CNN has a piece, Tim Scott's likability is fueling his rise. But how high can he climb? Now, part of this has to do with uh, Tim Scott announcing the expenditure of $8 million. It uh, uh, says uh, Hotline is reporting that uh, Senator Scott is launching an $8 million ad buy in Iowa and New Hampshire. The spot will air on TV, radio, and digital platforms and will run through the end of November. So that's a lot of advertising. They also report there's another piece in the New York Times about the rise of Tim Scott. Now, that hasn't really shown up decisively in the polls yet, but uh, they, they write at Hotline from the National Journal, Senator Tim Scott isn't messing around and his campaign's decision to purchase an $8 million ad buy that runs through the end of November is testament to this. Scott is one of just four candidates who have a realistic chance of becoming the GOP presidential nominee at this time. According to one Republican strategist who spoke on the condition of anonymity to share more candid views. Uh, those four who have a chance are former President Trump, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and the venture capitalist Vivek Ramaswamy. So add Tim Scott to the list. Why? What is he doing right? And uh, what are some of the others doing wrong? We'll talk about that with Dan McLaughlin of National Review and more coming up on The Medved Show. More of Michael Medved in a moment. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. On the Michael Medved Show, Dan McLaughlin is a senior writer at National Review Online. He is a fellow at the National Review Institute. He was formerly uh, a practicing attorney in securities and commercial litigation in New York City and a contributing editor of Red State, a columnist at The Federalist and The New Ledger, and a baseball blogger at BaseballCrank.com. Uh, we can get to some of the baseball questions later. His uh, most recent piece is one that I shared with you, and the argument for it uh, just appeared under the provocative title, Criminal Defendants Make Terrible Candidates. And you're not just talking about criminal defendants running for president. You're talking about criminal defendants running for any elective office. Would that be right, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's 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 really drag on your ability to get elected. And, and look, people do get elected uh, while they're under criminal investigation and indictment. But typically when that happens, it's because it's somebody who's in, you know, a safe seat uh, in Congress, uh, 
you know, a very blue city or something like that where where they mostly just got one one side's voters on their side. What what do you say about the idea that the more the Trump gets indicted, uh, the more it looks like there really is a conspiracy against him, that uh, there are people who are just trying to take him out of the picture and the reason they're trying to do that is that he's the only one who's speaking up for the great silent majority in America. He's the only one who can really defend people like that. As President Trump says, uh, they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. I just happen to be in the way. Why does that uh, argument not work? It seems to be working pretty well, according to the polls. I mean, it works pretty well in the primaries is the problem, but not so much in the general electorate. I mean, I, I think the argument is kind of half true. I mean, look, there's no question that Trump is being pursued in prosecutions, at least some of which are quite political, um, some of which are quite bogus, uh, although not all of them. Um, and I think that, you know, I think if you look back to like the Russia investigation, I think there's a fair argument that a lot of what happened there was that, you know, Trump was at odds with sort of the national security state. Uh, and, and a lot of those folks were afraid of what he was going to do in office, and so they tried to sabotage him. Um, but I think that a lot of what's going on here is less about the idea that people are afraid of Trump and more about the idea that they're hoping to get him nominated and then knock him out. Right. The Russiagate thing didn't come out until after the 2016 election, whereas this time it's all out in the open before the election. Uh, and I think that, you know, the Democrats had a plan in 2022 and their plan was to put a lot of money into promoting, you know, the candidates who were stop the steal candidates, Trump candidates. Uh, People, Fifty three million dollars that uh, fifty three million dollars of the Democrats money went to. Uh, Trump endorsed candidates to get them nominated so that they would lose to Democrats. And that worked, as you're saying. Yeah, every single one of them lost. Well, you could say J.D. Vance maybe would be the one exception, but it's still all across the country. It, it didn't seem to work. So you say in your column that this should be a turning point for the GOP. There was another fine column uh, by Jeff Duncan, the former lieutenant governor of Georgia, that said that this has to be a pivot point for the GOP. It has to turn around and move in a different direction. Uh, how and with whose leadership? Well, that has been the question for quite a while, hasn't it? And it's it's not clear. I mean, you know, I've been open in my writing. I think I think in the presidential race, I think DeSantis is is really the only. The only guy who has a really sort of practical uh, chance and plan to take Trump out in the primary. I, I don't know if his his strategy hasn't been working terribly well so far, and he's been trying to shift it a bit. We'll see if it actually works. But uh, look, at the end of the day, um, the decision's going to be the voters. It's not going to be the leadership of the party. The leadership of the party has tried everything it can to either figure out, okay, either how do we work with Trump or how do we get rid of him. Uh, and nothing they've tried has worked. But, you know, what I do think that, that the candidates need to do and some of the, you know, outside groups need to do is is carry the message to the voters that, look, you have a choice. Uh, there are other options. There are other options that can give you 
you know, a lot of the policy decisions and stuff that you want uh, and that have a better chance of beating Joe Biden. But, it, it you know, it's up to the voters. The uh, uh, National Journal hotline, uh, they just uh, said that the people with a, a an actual chance of winning the Republican nomination, that it's down to four. Uh, Trump and DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy and Tim Scott. What about that idea that there's a great deal of attention on Tim Scott right now in this new ad buy that he is attempting and apparently surging in Iowa and New Hampshire. So what about Tim Scott as an alternative? I mean, I think Scott is certainly, you know, he's a guy who you would very plausibly see him as a presidential candidate. Um, you know, I, I think the his... His resume of accomplishments and his message that he's been getting out to the voters are, are kind of thin, um, and I think he would he's going to need to expand that. Um, you know, he doesn't have the resources that DeSantis has, but he does have he does have a well-funded campaign. So it is possible that Scott will have his moment and catch fire. Um, but in a lot of ways, he's sort of running in the the lane that Marco Rubio ran in in 2016, and and has thus far not gotten nearly as far as Rubio did, let alone, you know, uh, to an actual winning winning situation. So Scott will be worth watching. He'll be worth watching at the debate. Uh, I do think that, you know, if somehow we got past the top two candidates, I think overwhelmingly Scott is, uh, you know, of the rest, the one who would be most likely to end up, you know, end up at the, t at the top of the pile. More than Ramaswamy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Ramaswamy is, you know, there's always a kind of desire among Republican primary voters for somebody who's totally new and outside and they want to give that person a hearing. Uh, and it's often somebody who's, you know, the business leader. It's somebody who's different. Uh, you know, Herman Cain, uh, those candidates tend not to last. And now a lot of people thought Trump wouldn't last because he was similar to that. But Trump was much more famous and had been for a much longer time. Uh, than a lot of these other folks. And uh, meanwhile, in baseball, who are the teams to watch for the uh, going deep in the playoffs? Name three. Um, well, uh, definitely not my team, the Mets, or even our other hometown here team here in New York. Um, but uh, I mean, I think the Braves. The Braves are just a monster. Uh, and they're going to be very tough to beat. Uh, I mean, I do think the Orioles are, are an interesting team, but they're also a very young team and, and of the kind that could easily just kind of go belly up um, in the playoffs. So uh, I'm, not sure who, I'm not sure who else. I mean, the, the Astros are always dangerous. So uh, And certainly the addition of uh, getting back Justin Verlander is something that's going to help them. Yeah, you notice you didn't mention the Seattle Mariners, who just coming off a, uh, a satisfying victory last night. They're one game behind Toronto for the third wild card post. So uh, watch for the Mariners. They've never been in a World Series, and who knows, stranger things are possible. Uh, Dan McLaughlin, uh, an expert on all things political and baseball uh, involved. You can read his column. Criminal defendants make terrible candidates 
It's a, a, a piece that uh, recently written in response to this latest round of indictments. So what about that idea of the Tim Scott uh, surge? Is that just wishful thinking or is there substance to it? We'll get to that. And uh, there's a Unity video posted by someone not really noted as a unifying force. Donald Trump. We'll get to that. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, there was a uh, flurry of attention yesterday. There's a piece in the New York Daily News about the political ambitions and dynamism and the popularity of uh, one member of the House, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, they point out in the Daily News, U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene has some big plans in her future. The firebrand conservative Republican says she's considering running for the U.S. Senate from her home state of Georgia in 2026. Okay, that's not this next election cycle. It's uh, two years later than that. The only problem, she says, is that former President Donald Trump might ask her to be his 2024 running mate. I have a lot of things to think about, Green told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Am I going to be a part of President Trump's cabinet if he wins? What, Secretary of Education? Secretary of Defense? Secretary of Health and Human Services? Who knows? Is it possible that I'll be the VP? If Green were to run for the Senate, she would likely take on first-term Democratic Senator John Ossoff in 2026. It points out Green's sharp elbows have earned enemies along the way. She accosted Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. How could they not be enemies? I mean, these are two people who are as different, non-aligned on any issue I can think of. There, what, what does uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, agree with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on, other than the three names? Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Other than that, what do they have in common? She accosted Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the Capitol during a spat over the progressive leader's Green New Deal plan. After the McCarthy speaker drama, Green squabbled with fellow far-right colleague Representative Lauren Boebert. Uh, she later berated Boebert, calling her, well, she called her the B-word, little B-word, meaning female dog, a vulgar term on the House floor. Why was uh, she attacking Lauren Boebert? She attacked Lauren Boebert because Lauren Boebert had... Uh, uh, drafted a rival uh, message and a rival measure for the impeachment of Joe Biden. And Marjorie Taylor Greene believes that that issue, she was the first one to go after impeaching Biden, and she wants to own that issue for the future. And uh, speaking of impeaching Biden, uh, President Trump has not been noted particularly for his calls for unity of the Republican Party. But he just posted a video 
on uh, his web platform at Truth Social. And a, a video that says it's time for the party to come together. Uh, this is clip 11 with President, uh, former President Donald J. Trump. Great polls just out, leading by 40, 50, and even 60 points. Who expected that? I did. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, all very strong, but also leading Biden very big. The sanctimonious is crashing. Perhaps the party should come together. People should drop out of the race. We unify and we beat Biden and the Democrats. They should be easy to beat because our country has never been in worse condition than it is right now. Thank you. Okay. Our country has never been in worse condition than it is right now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you think about the Great Depression, uh, where we had 35% unemployed. Uh, there are moments that have been, quote, even worse than what we have right now. However, there are other people on other portions of the party who seem to agree with Trump that it's time for people to... Think about dropping out of this very complicated field going into the debate, which is coming up six days from now, next Wednesday. Uh, New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, who's not running for re-election and he's not running for president, he talks about the importance of narrowing down the GOP field. Uh, this is clip seven. I think there'll be voices that say, okay, as we get into November, if you're in those low single digits, you got to go. And it won't be them in a back room figuring it out themselves. It'll be a hundred Republican voices across the country saying, we have to narrow this down to maybe five or six candidates by Iowa, maybe three, even three or four by New Hampshire, because in a one-on-one -on -one race, that's where Trump loses. And there'll be a lot of pressure, um, not the powers that be, but maybe some of the, the, the voices, the donor base, uh, some of the more influential folks out there that say, hey, we have to narrow this thing down because Republicans want to move America forward. Republicans want to provide solutions for America. Donald Trump wants to just protect Donald Trump. And that's not a Republican value. And I think most of the candidates get that. So they're going to give it their best shot yeah. for the next six months. But then the, the hard decision is, is saying, okay, we, we gave it our best shot. The responsible thing is to get out of the race. And uh, again, he's not talking about any time immediately. Obviously, the debate is going to be a milestone. Is it possible uh, that there will be people who underperform in the debates, have an embarrassing session? Uh, basically, Marco Rubio's campaign ended right before the Ohio primary. He had done very well in New Hampshire, and he was supposed to be among the top three uh, in uh, – he, he had done very well in Iowa, pardon me. And uh, then right before New Hampshire, he was supposed to do well, and he was uh, slaughtered on the debate stage by Chris Christie. Uh, who is Chris Christie going to go after this time? Well, it's a big question, especially without Trump. And uh, uh, CNN reports that President Trump might be planning counter-programming uh, during the debate that is coming up on next Wednesday. Uh, this is clip eight, Jeremy. 
Donald Trump himself has been personally throwing out ideas for counter-programming. There have been discussions between Donald Trump's team and Tucker Carlson about an interview uh, around the same time on Wednesday. Um, of course, this all comes as Donald Trump is feuding openly with Fox News and Rupert Murdoch, and uh, Tucker Carlson clearly has left uh, Fox News. And so some motivations there, I think, behind the scenes. Um, I'm also told that Donald Trump's team wants some of his surrogates to represent him at the debate, especially if he is not there. People like uh, Byron Donalds, a congressman from Florida, as well as Matt Gates, uh, Matt Gates, another congressman from Florida, and Kerry Lake, uh, the gubernatorial candidate in Arizona. Um, all of these people potentially there to represent him in his absence. And one more thing, Poppy, that I find really interesting that I've been picking up in my conversations is that Donald Trump has been telling people, uh, you know, this week even, that there was a dinner last month where Fox News executives, the President Jay Wallace, as well as uh, their chief executive, Suzanne Scott, they traveled to Bedminster and encouraged Donald Trump to participate in the debate. And Trump personally is telling people he thinks that shows that Fox is worried about ratings without him. And so he's feeling like he's in a strong position not to attend. He's in a strong position not to attend because there will be no ratings for the debate unless he does. I... Uh... I, I do think uh, the idea that uh, he would have Matt Gates or uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, or uh, Carrie Lake or any of these potential vice presidential possibilities representing him at the debate as a surrogate for Trump, how would that work? I, I mean, <laughs> if if he chooses not to come... The idea that because he's not uh, coming because he has COVID, that was a problem last time at a debate that he didn't attend. Uh, the the whole point about uh, not attending the debate, it seems to me, is trying to send a message. And he is sending a message that he's on a different level from the other candidates that he is simply on a higher, more competitive level. Meanwhile, we're lucky to be here. Uh, and again, I, so much stuff that you read every day, watching the news come from around the world. This from the Associated Press. Uh, Muslims in eastern Pakistan went on a rampage yesterday over allegations that a Christian man had desecrated the Quran demolishing the man's house, burning churches, and damaging several other homes. The scale of the violence prompted the government of Pakistan to deploy additional police forces and send in the army to try to restore order. Uh, the uh, violence erupted after some Muslims living in the area claimed they had seen a local Christian, Raja Amir, and his friends tearing out pages from a Quran and throwing them on the ground and writing insulting remarks on other pages. A mob gathered and began attacking multiple churches and several Christian homes, burning furniture and other household items. Some members of the Christian community fled their homes. We're lucky to live right here in this greatest...